Good morning, everyone. It's nice to be with you today. And if you could open your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts, chapter 10. We'll start from verse 1. Uh, it's a bit of a long passage, and uh, we'd probably need uh, more than a few weeks to get into everything in the passage, so we're going to focus on a, a couple things this morning, but it's worthwhile to read the whole thing together. I'll start from verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air, and there came a voice to him. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanying him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I too am a man. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. 
But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I ask then why you sent for me. Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to, and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Now the apostles and brothers who were throughout Judea, heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent 
sent to me from Caesarea. And the spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Let's pray. Lord God, we seek you this morning as we open your word for instruction, for the changing of our hearts, that our wills might be replaced by yours, and that our hearts and minds would be set on you. Show us how to live in the freedom of the gospel today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this story really is about Peter's heart. Um, and at, at the crux of, of the passage, this, this is really what we're looking at this morning. Um, we begin in the first century church. The early church fathers were just getting their start and beginning to live out the Great Commission. Uh, we probably can't imagine this, uh, despite the last several years, but there was nothing in the lives of any of these believers that wasn't or hadn't been changed in the last several years. For many of them, the only foundation that they were sure of at all was on the stone that the builders had rejected, who became the cornerstone. Imagine, if you will, your entire social, political, likely familial structures completely smashed in a short time span. Imagine yourself as Peter, who we, when we first meet him, is a brash, shoot from the hip and ask questions later type, who throws everything away to follow a preacher, gives up his family, his wife, his mother-in-law, his parents, his vocation, in order to be followed, harried, arrested, beaten, have your great hope killed in front of your eyes, then to meet the risen Lord, catch breakfast, walk on the water, see him risen, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as tongues of fire resting on you, and then lead about 3,000 souls to God and speak in various tongues at the day of Pentecost. This is where we find Peter, right at the outside of his mission. This is also where we meet our proverbial archetype or, or somewhat in our representation of Cornelius. Uh, and this is what God was to do in reaching all corners and all peoples of the earth. Uh, Cornelius is an interesting character. We won't spend a ton of time on him specifically, but he was a Roman centurion of the Italian cohort, which was, uh, according to uh, the writer Josephus, likely comprised of mostly Roman volunteers among the larger Roman legion in the area, which was predominantly made up of Syrians. Cornelius is described here as being a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. Would you be so bold as Cornelius among your peers, the highest class of citizens in the Roman Empire, likely from a wealthy family to have risen to the rank that he did while being in and among those who have he would have considered lower class Romans and lead a difficult life than one would expect? The Roman legionnaires 
were the most powerful military on the planet for centuries. One does not get to this level by being soft. And yet he is described as a devout man who feared God. Upon receiving the angel of the Lord, this devout man did not waste time, but sent those he trusted to find Simon. It's a, it's a bit interesting that the angel of the Lord still refers to Simon by his previous name, as opposed to what the Lord had changed his name to, um, that of Peter, in uh, Matthew chapter 16. Is it because Simon had not taken on his full mantle yet? Is it because Simon was being changed? Uh, nonetheless, our story takes us to one of the smelliest locations, uh, not necessarily Joppa, but the home of the tanner. I love the spirit and character of Peter here. A quick bit of research into what an ancient tanner was. We'll, we'll uh, explain that a bit um, and explain why it probably wasn't the nicest place to stay. Uh, the village tanner would not have had a prestigious lodging. In order to perform the job of a tanner, you had to take animal skins, so unclean already, let them soak in lye or urine. Uh, true story, look that one up for yourselves. Uh, for a long period, then remove the skins and scrape off all the animal hair, fur, connective tissue, fat. The hides would then be baited with either dung, classically pigeon, a uh, mixture of animal brain in order to soften the hide before applying a tanning agent to prevent the reversion of the leather, leather into an animal hide, which would cause it to rot. So not the nicest of jobs, not the nicest of houses and not the nicest place for the apostle Peter to stay in. Typically, this was on the outskirts of the city, almost certainly in the uh, poorer quarters, and Peter had no qualms about staying with the tanner. As a matter of fact, when we find Peter, not only does the smell not apparently bother bother him that much, but he's hungry enough that he becomes impatient and goes on the roof to pray whilst waiting for a meal. But God had other plans here for Peter than just a meal. The Lord caused Peter to go into a trance and see a vision of a sheet lowering from heaven with all sorts of animals, some of which I'm sure would have been highly palatable to Peter, and some which he wouldn't dream of touching. We know that it isn't the killing of an animal that Peter finds averse, uh, but rather the company that his food was keeping. Peter wouldn't have been caught dead eating unclean food, but here Peter starts to get a lesson in the lesser. Three times was the sheet lowered. Three times did Peter receive the command to rise, kill, and eat. Three times did he refuse and receive the instruction to not call unclean or common that which God has called clean. Once drawn back immediately, if we think a bit to the night before the crucifixion, uh, the, the vociferous denials by Peter that he knew the Lord even, calling oaths down on himself. Not once, not t- twice, but three times did he deny the Lord. And again, on the shores of Galilee, where Peter was reinstated, three times did the Lord ask Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? And three times Peter's affirmative answer was met from, by, by the Lord with feed my sheep. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the, that's what Peter was thinking about as the sheet was lowered the third time. Three times he denied. Three times he was re- reinstated and told to feed my sheep. Three times did the Lord tell him to not call common that which the Lord has made clean. 
Now, while Peter's presumably awakened from his trance, he's still pondering this, and the men from Cornelius arrive. We should consider here, church, that the societal framework that was still in existence at the time of this event, the Romans were an occupying body, not to mention the executors of Jesus, in practice at least, and they probably would have been met with disdain just from that. They were also Gentiles and typically overtly offensive indeed towards the Jewish population, particularly as it pertained to religious observances. Now, Peter had been a witness of how Jesus interacted with those from society who were unclean before, which includes Jesus marveling at the faith of another Roman centurion in the past. You can see Matthew 8 or Luke 7 for this story. But Peter was an honorable and respectable Jewish leader. I'm sure he saw himself as this. Uh, At minimum, his baseline would have been to then standoffish towards Roman soldiers and servants as his guests. We can see that in verse 28, where Peter directly states to Cornelius how unlawful it would have been for him to associate with someone who was unclean. Perhaps the Lord was already softening his heart by welcoming the men as guests. And our story really takes us next to the house of Cornelius, where he had gathered many of his close family and friends. Peter still couldn't help himself one, though and announced how unlawful it was for him to be here, and that he was perhaps somewhat begrudgingly following the spirit of the Lord who commanded him to go with these men. At once, both a reminder of how much above him he was, above them he was, as well as how pious he was at exactly the same time. Peter arrived and was welcomed by Cornelius, who fell to his feet and began to worship him. Again, we see something cool in the character of Peter, who commanded Cornelius to rise, and that he was just a man himself. What a battle, a back and forth between the spirit and the flesh throughout the passage. Peter's old nature wants to lord over these lesser people, these unclean ones. He has to get in and tell them right away how unlawful it is for him to be there. And then at the same time, his humility and recognizing that he was not to be worshipped, only God. Cornelius, in obedience to God, who he clearly feared and worshipped, sent for Peter and humbly sat at his feet to hear what the Lord commanded Peter to say. Consider the humility of this man again. In so many ways, he's an example to Peter and by extension to us. He was a man under authority and a man in authority and vocation, as well as social status, and was still willing to consider others greater than himself, greater than himself, with all of his interest and with the expectation of pursuing God's will for his life. All Cornelius wanted was to hear the the word of the Lord and to be obedient. And he was rewarded by God for his steadfast pursuit of him. The Lord does indeed work in mysterious ways. As Peter was given a sign which caused him to obey a little, then obey some more, then obey a third time. He welcomed the men to stay with him. He went with them to Cornelius' house and he preached the word of the Lord to them, the message of salvation. Think of how the Lord used that which was unclean here, Cornelius' example to purify Peter as through fire, the slow burning of chaff from the gold in his own heart. Verse 34 is really the crux of our passage this morning, after one of the best and most concise sermons and altar calls of all time. Truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him 
and does what is right is acceptable to him, Peter does not exclude himself from this. Hear the change in his heart, the willingness to accept these lesser ones as brothers. His closing remarks again in verse 43 give testimony to this, that to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Uh, For the purposes of this message, I'm not going to wade into the controversies about the gifts of the spirit or speaking in tongues, whether or not there's a second baptism, that of the Holy Spirit, or that those who have not spoken in tongues are not redeemed and have clearly not received the gift of the Holy Spirit indwelling them or any of the above matter. Suffice it to say, however, that the Holy Spirit interrupted Peter's message and fell on the crowd gathered, and they began to speak in tongues and extol God. That definitely made a big impact on Peter. We can see the Lord at work again in Peter's life, drawing parallels right back to his prior experiences, this time to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given to the apostles, and Peter preached a bit of a longer sermon, and 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. Peter's heart starts from the beginning of the story and changes throughout. We see it slowly. Each occurrence, each interaction, the Lord led Peter to this crossroad in his life and ministry. The guise of self-righteousness peeled away and the trimming away of hindrances from cultural and religious settings of his birth allowed Peter to clearly see the Lord bringing the lesser into the fold. For he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, daring anyone to withhold water for these faithful who had been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, a clear sign from God of his acceptance of the Gentiles. Who is the centurion in your life? Who's the Italian cohort? Who's the tanner? Who's the unclean visitor at your door? If not at your door, at your work. Who do you not want to break bread with? Who do you despise in your heart? You see, the Apostle Peter, a true hero of the faith, was willing to let his heart be softened to follow the Lord in all things. Imagine breaking with thousands of years of tradition. Imagine the severe stress that could place on a person. Peter threw it away in a second when confronted with the Lord's leading. Now we consider ourselves very wise, knowledgeable, and cosmopolitan, and very learned now, don't we? Imagine breaking bread with, uh, welcome, um, imagine welcoming in someone who you despise for their political stance. Imagine breaking bread with the MAGA fan who's a believer. Imagine breaking bread with the Biden supporter who follows Christ. Imagine welcoming in someone you despise because of their background. Imagine doing as Peter did, standing up for the truth when the church stands itself stands in opposition to the Lord's guidance, just as the circumcision party did. The Lord gives us this awesome reminder from the life of Peter to do as Cornelius and Peter did, to seek the Lord and let our hearts and lives be continually changed by him. He may yet be found. If we are willing, as Peter was, he will show us how to live like Christ. Let's pray. Father, show us who the Roman centurions are in our lives and where we have put up walls against those whom the Lord has called clean. 
Show us who you have welcomed into your household that we have despised. Show us how to love like you. Thank you for the example of Peter, who let himself be continually changed by you. Give us grace as we are molded into the men and women you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.